Welcome to WeChat Divorce with Karen Shalou, Legal Liaison, and Katherine Shanahan, CDFA, co-founders of My Divorce Solution, the company that delivers the quintessential financial blueprint to couples facing or going through the divorce process. This blueprint, known as the MDS Financial Portrait, establishes the foundation and options an individual or couple would need to make clear financial decisions when considering divorce. Each podcast, Catherine and Karen sit down with divorce professionals and other individuals who provide insight and frank discussion about real people, real situations, and real divorce. Welcome to WeChat Divorce. Catherine and I are so happy today to welcome attorney Shauna Woods to our podcast today. Welcome, Shauna. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm really happy to be here. It's We're a so great excited. Yeah, we really are. And I'm very excited because in this episode, we're going to be discussing prenups. Do they help or hurt? How many times do we hear that from clients? But first, let me just take a few minutes to introduce you, Shauna. Shauna is the managing partner of the Atlanta Divorce Law Group. She's been practicing exclusively in family law for 18 years. You don't look old enough, Shauna, I have to say. (laughs) Shauna is the host of the soon-to-be-launched Happily Ever After Divorce podcast and regularly appears as a guest on the firm's Facebook Lives. Check them out. We'll have a link uh, on on this podcast um, after you listen to it. So welcome, Shauna. Thank you. Thanks again. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, it's so so great because we actually met through a, a mutual client. We yeah. did. Well, I had a client um, singing your praises, and it was just serendipity that the attorney who was representing her was not available today to take the call. And we got on, and I just had such a wonderful time chatting with you in that you were so knowledgeable and got to the point and we could understand, yes, this is what we need to be recommending for the client financially. It was the best thing for her. And I really did appreciate your approach to it. Oh, and likewise, we appreciated yours and we're so excited to meet you and have that conversation because when we can work together as a team and come together with all the information that we need and the client is provided with the knowledge that they need, it just lets you do what you're trained to do in a much better fashion for them. So you get to just use your legal expertise and help them get what they should, what they should be getting. Absolutely. And I can't tell you how many times I've pulled up a client and go, you know what? My divorce solution would be really good with them. Let's send them over there now. (laughs) That's awesome. That's so awesome. Thank you so much for that. We really appreciate that. And today's conversation really led through our conversation as well. When we were talking to you about what is trending right now, we're getting a lot of people who are calling us who are saying, you know what? We think we should get a prenup which is gathering all that same information for your financial portrait, which has been great. So, you know, but there are a lot of fears on, you know, what's the good and what's the bad and what's the ugly and what's the pretty about it. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think that people do have kind of a misconception that, you know, if your fiance or, you know, even somebody where you're talking about, you know, getting married and someone brings up a prenuptial agreement that they're looking and thinking, oh, this isn't going to work down the road. And in fact, it can be the exact opposite is that someone's looking at it in a very realistic and loving manner saying, you know what, if this doesn't work out, right, we're going to work really hard because we all know marriage is work. Right. It's mm-hmm. not an easy thing. <laughs> if this does not work out, let's decide right now why we're in a good space, why we're loving each other, why we, mm-hmm. we're really appreciative of each other. Let's decide how we're going to divide things in the event that it doesn't work out instead of coming at it when you're hurt and when you're emotional and when there's been a lot of baggage, you know, drunk into it when you're at that divorce state. So having a prenuptial agreement, I think, is a really loving thing to do. I love that approach. Um, And so many couples that come to us, and I'm sure to you as well, Shauna, approaching divorce, had they had those conversations way back when they got married, they would be better positioned to contemplate and make really good decisions for themselves instead of recreating most of their married life after 20, 30, 10, three years even, it's very difficult and to your point, emotional. So, you know, having those conversations is so important and helpful and loving. I love that. I love that you're using the word loving. Yeah, I do think it can be. And and I appreciate that. And I think that a lot of people, again, have that kind of misconception. Oh, this is to protect the wealthy one or the person who has assets. And in fact, if you are planning on having children, And your idea, and you both have discussed that, is that somebody's going to stay home and raise the children and give up a career or the opportunity to build their, you know, their work, work history. Then how does that look like if this doesn't work out once the children are grown, right? And and that can be a a very good protection for people. Yeah. Yeah. So that leads me to a couple of questions, but, you know, in, in what you and Karen were saying just a second ago, it also can alleviate that, you know, for all of us who've been married, when you were married 20 years, over those 20 years, you know, you know, your relationship's not going right. But how many people throw out that threat of divorce? You know, I'm going to threat you. And so once that word comes into the conversation, which is never really very good, it can comes in continually. So if you had a prenup, Maybe that word wouldn't be thrown around so much because it's not a threat any longer. Right. Because you kind of know what's going to happen. You you don't have that fear of the unknown. You know, what happens to me if this I don't have the financial stability? What happens to to do I have to go out and get a job while I'm raising kids? How is that going to look? What does my future look like? You can really just concentrate on what's going on in the, the marriage, right? And try to fix it <laughs> without that that what you said, Catherine, is that threat, which we really hate, right? Because that's that controlling that's that financial control that we've seen so often in some marriages yeah well (laughs) who of us haven't done that 15 or more times anyway (laughs) you know it's just a natural response when you're in an argument that's it I'm done I'm done I'm done yes (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah but when it goes further than that um you know this is this is something that the people should consider. And I think one of the topics we're going to talk about is, is the prenup agreement 
for anyone and everyone? Are there cases that it's better um, not to have one? Or would you recommend that everyone start their uh, family, their marriage with a prenup? I think prenups really are and should be for everyone, at least having that discussion. What does this look like for us? One of the things I like about having prenuptial agreements, because I just had a case yesterday where this lady had come in and said, well, he said, you know, when we were married, when we were getting married, he had all this money. Turns out he didn't. Um, with a prenuptial agreement, you both have to sign affidavits that show what are your assets and what are your debts, because that's an important part of it is that sometimes they walk into a marriage not knowing that the person they're getting married to has a big tax debt, right? And they don't want to be sharing in that, maybe regardless, but definitely not Mm -hmm. in the case of a divorce. So you have to be honest and open. That's one of the requirements of a a prenuptial agreement is you both have to sign affidavits of saying, here are our assets and debts. And even if you don't have, even if your assets and debts are um, my vehicle, because I just graduated college, right? (laughs) You want to say, this is what we have. And what about this going forward? One of the things that we find it's really helpful for, so many people want to start small businesses, right? And you have a business partner that is not your marriage partner. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what happens in the event of a divorce, because that your portion of the business can be considered marital, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things I think it's really important as we're starting out, the thinking about the future of these, these assets. Do we want a small business to be considered a marital you know, asset or not? And it's an important conversation to have early on. Right. Well, and you know... It's Go really ahead, Catherine. As a matter of fact, Karen and I had this conversation because I just got remarried um, two years ago. But, you know, when we talked about me having a prenup, I said to Karen, well, what about you getting a postnup? Because, mm-hmm. you know, she's married. So it's a really interesting, you know, we started a business later in life, the two of us together. So, you know, we have the postnup and the prenup. And of course, we could talk about a postnup on another podcast because it's so much to talk about. And it's another great it's another great tool for people who are just thinking about it or rather stay married, but want a financial agreement. Um, I do want to ask you something. It was the second question from what you said earlier before I forget. You know, you talked about, you know, if you plan to have children and what's going to happen, you could lay that out in your prenup. Well, what if things change while you're married? And now what you thought about in the prenup, one of you or both of you don't agree with it. Um, I guess if both of you, it doesn't matter. But what if you now don't agree with that anticipation? that you tried to clean out. So yeah, there, and I want to be very clear that you can't uh, do child support or child custody in a prenuptial agreement. That's not on the table. I think what we're both talking about, just want to be clear for the people listening, but we're both talking about is what about spousal support, right? What does spousal support look like if you both, let's assume that both parties have decided you're going to stay home with the children until their school age, right? And then they get to be school age and lo and behold, there's a lot of other stuff that goes on with kids in school age too. There's running them back and forth to extracurriculars and picking them up and gosh, look at all that aftercare you're going to have to spend if you go back to work, you know, and that can be maybe a renegotiation to a postnuptial agreement, right? And I do think that, you know, having those initial conversations, but if you do change your mind, if you have to have that conversation with your spouse, right? Are Mm -hmm. we still on the same page? 
do we still agree here? Absolutely. I have a really good friend who just got married last year and her husband already had a business with a third parties, plural. And he just happened to be mentioning that he was getting married at a board meeting. And all of a sudden he got the news. You have to get a prenup because any uh, spouse who's you know, coming on board is not going to be an owner of this company. And that was news to both of them. And so they had to negotiate a prenup. And to your point, you know, she had to understand that if she was going to be um, engaging and participating and supporting the business, that doesn't mean she would have ownership. So can you talk a little bit about how those things play out, especially when a spouse is disqualified, for lack of a better word, before they're even married due to the operating agreement or the shareholder agreement? So those are very, very interesting topics. And again, there are so many people who are small business owners now or have a portion of a business. And the way it works, at least here in Georgia, is the business, whether you own it in a whole or you own it with a partner, the growth on the business from the date of the marriage until the date of the divorce is considered a marital asset. And a forensic accountant comes in and helps us decide what the value of that business is, right? Well, if the majority of the marital estate really is the value of that business, and the it, it's the court wouldn't order, oh, you know, the spouse gets to now step into the business. What the court would order was the spouse who has ownership in the business will then have to pay out to the other spouse. But if you have a small business, right? you can't really deplete all the cash out of that and keep running that small business. And that is one of the things I think people with small business and people who have partners who are getting married do want to have that discussion because in the event of a divorce, is this business going to tank because your spouse was coming after a portion of the asset? of the business, right? And that's really what we look at is not necessarily because an operation agreement is not going to let the spouse come in and run it, but a court could order, you know, this person, this wife, this, this husband to say, you need to pay them, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in 30 days, chop, chop. That can ruin a business really quickly. Right. Absolutely. That's really a great point because, again, this is about having all the details in your agreement, right? So something that that would be easily overlooked, just saying, okay, I have this prenup, you don't get the business, but really what about the growth of that business during your marriage? Right. Right. And you have to look at the investments. You know, another thing that that I hear very commonly is somebody will say, oh, I bought the house prior to marriage. It's mine. And I'll say, "Mm, partly. (laughs) (laughs) So true. (laughs) If if you, you know, if you purchased a house prior to marriage, yes, there is some separate property asset there. Um, Here in Georgia, if you put your spouse's name on it, you just gifted the whole thing to the marriage. Um, If you don't, but you continue to pay on it during that marriage, that growth during the marriage is still considered marital. So if that is something that you both are looking at as, oh, no, we see this as this one spouse's separate property, you need to spell that out. Mm -hmm. 
So what is the difference between, you know, you mentioned earlier, and um, I'm well aware of the couples now coming in, um, getting into marriages, and they keep their accounts separate, and maybe have a joint account. Um, is having is having those statements, you know, from date of marriage, keeping them on record, enough to protect your premarital asset? Um, or do they need to have the prenup? Oh, I, they definitely need to have the prenuptial agreement. Even in, in Georgia, it doesn't matter whose name it's in, right? I can earn, they consider, if I was married at the moment, they would consider my earnings marital earnings. And even <laughs> if I put it in an account in just my name, that's still marital earnings. So just having kept, and I do, you know, I hear that a lot too. Oh, don't worry, we kept everything separate. Okay, but that's not enough. Right. You really do have to spell out. And I like to very well spell out not only what is separate property, but what is marital property? You know, what are we going to specifically consider marital property to be? If we buy a home together and put it in joint names, that's marital property. Okay, now how are we going to divide it? Is it going to be pro rata what we put into it or is it just going to be 50 50? Right. Mm -hmm. And Georgia is an equitable distribution state different from the community property states. It is. California, Arizona, and so forth. Yeah. I. It almost works out to be the same thing a lot of times. I think it just adds argument, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Equitable meaning what's fair, you know, mm-hmm. and, and equal, of course, meaning 50-50, and that's what community property states are. It, Georgia courts really start out with what's fair being 50-50, but they let you argue why it's not in your particular case. And so it does open up a lot of doors for litigation if you don't have that prenuptial agreement in place. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Shauna, just to that point, when people come to us when they're considering a prenup or a divorce, that financial portrait that we build for them helps them collect all of that documentation. So, you know, when it's delivered to you, you're not only looking at a number on a report you get to look at the documents that support it. So you get to look at the operating agreements and you get to look at all of the different documents that would support your client's claim for whatever that may be, or would support um, the prenup um, disclosure. Is that what you call it? A disclosure? Yeah, a disclosure is a great great term for that. Absolutely. And that is so very helpful. And it's not that our clients, you know, I would say are unsophisticated, Mm -hmm. but it does take nuance to get all of that stuff together and look at what is a financial portrait. Mm-hmm. You know, your your attorneys are also intimidating for a lot of people. You know, you're just I mean, I love you. You're great. From the minute I started talking to you, I find you very easy to talk to. I would go to lunch with you. I think you're fabulous. Karen felt the same way, you know, but for a lot of people who are in this emotional state where they're afraid to even talk about a prenup or anything because you're talking about divorce before you're married, a lot of people feel like going to the attorney almost puts them at, at a tense scenario right? When they come to us, what I loved about what we do now with the prenups is that, and everything else is we turn it into a financial exercise for our clients, you know, and so they're coming in a a really, you know, this is just an exercise, we're getting everything together to deliver to your attorney, you know, and that's why we love working with attorneys like you is because we just make this transition for everyone so much smoother, and it can be more loving if it's treated like an exercise instead of something that's um, torture for somebody else. 
you know, because there's always one person that doesn't want to do all the data collecting or one person that doesn't want to talk about it because they just don't want to, or they're just agreeing to go there. So I find this to be really exciting for not only our business, but for what we're doing, working with you and um, the people who are really trying to be smart about these decisions um, going into them. I absolutely agree. I can't tell you how many times I'll sit across from somebody and I start talking about the the disclosure, as Karen said, the disclosure statement, and I get this kind of blank look on the other side and I'm like, okay, I need to walk them through this, but that's not what I do. Right. That's that's not my forte. And I love having you guys. And I and I feel the same way about both of you. I was like, this is such a fun connection. And it and it's great when I have a not only this wonderful, you know, company where I can send clients, but it's like, and you know, I really like them and you're gonna love them too. <laughs> yeah. And I do think that what you guys do is so very important. You know, people are waiting now a little bit later to get married. Right. And they kind of right. already started having 401ks and, and maybe some right. assets and helping them understand what their financial position really is right now is important. And I really love that about you guys. Yeah. And listen, we can't talk all the legal stuff. I mean, you have to have really serious conversations with these individuals. So if you have to mucky the waters by talking about their financials and get them in this blank state or get them in this. It's so nice when we send them over and we don't have to get into those conversations. Everybody stays in their zone, you know, and your conversations are more bearable when everybody knows what they're dealing with, because you bring up really great points about the details, you know. Yeah, I actually can give really good advice when I know what the details are. (laughs) I like that. I love that quote. That's the best quote. We're going to have to do this because I totally agree. (laughs) Shauna, you talked about um, that a prenup cannot include child support, child custody discussions. Mm -hmm. Are there other things that cannot be included in a prenup? And are there things that be that can be included in a prenup that people may not think about? You know, I think there are some clauses in there. I call them the penalty clause. And some of those things are when when you think about infidelity, you know, um, if that has been an issue in their relationship and they kind of want to go forward saying, all right, we're both in this, but one partner has already experienced the other partner having, you know, stepped outside of the relationship. There are times when they put what I call the penalty clauses in. It's like, all right, if the, the cause of the breakup of the marriage is that you're stepping outside the marriage, or if you're stepping outside the marriage, you know, this is going to shift how we separate things, or this is going to shift, you know, spousal support. And so I think it's important for people who may have those issues, not only to get a prenuptial agreement, but also to have had some premarriage counseling, right, to to ensure that that these are the things that they're looking at important. Primarily not included in a prenuptial agreement is anything to do with the children, because all of courts are going to tell you it is the purview of the court to decide what's in the best interest of the children at the time, not 
pre-planning it. And, and it makes sense, right? Because this unknown child, we don't know who's going to end up being the primary parent, you know, or default, we think it's going to be mom. And sometimes it's really not. And same with child uh, support, it's all determined at the, you know, the needs of the child based on calculators of, of where the, the, um, the parties are living at the time, because you have to do all that cost of living things. So those are the things that can't be included in a prenuptial agreement. What you really look for is, is this prenuptial agreement so one-sided, right? Is it so one-sided that it's just unconscionable, right? And those would be really those situations where you have somebody who's wealthy, and usually significantly older than the other party and says, I get everything and you get nothing. Those aren't really going to be held up in court. Okay. All right. <laughs> and you mentioned the state, um, you know, as it relates to the kids where they're living at the time, mm-hmm. if you, if a prenup is drafted in Georgia and the couple moves to Utah, mm-hmm. is it still in force? It's still enforceable since we have um, full faith and credit with all of the states uh, in the United States. And even in the prenuptial agreement, and you've seen these in other contracts, I'm sure you guys have too, it'll say, if this is to be cited, it's to be decided on the laws based on Georgia. Right. Okay. So, you know, we sign something for our car insurance that says something about Delaware. Right. That's always where they. So that's the same thing. It's a contract. And that's exactly what a prenuptial agreement is. I think what people don't realize is that when they get married, yes, it is a wonderful, loving bond, but it's also a contract. And it's a contract with you, your spouse, and the state. And the prenuptial agreement is to say, no, no, we don't want the state deciding it. We're making this contract ourselves. I love that look at it. I never heard that before said like that. Yeah, Yeah. that's very good. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, once you look at it that way, because people don't realize how much the state is going to get involved in your marriage if this goes to a divorce. And for most people, we don't want them involved. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Shauna, I've heard some, uh, sorry, Catherine, did I just cut you off? Uh, okay. Shauna, I've heard some attorneys um, ask initially when um, a couple's going through divorce and they have a prenup, they'll throw in the phrase, the sunset, I think it's called the sunset clause. Have you heard of that? Like it, it makes it non-valid after so many years. And maybe the that's sunset only, clause. I think it's called the sunset clause. I haven't heard of that in particular. I think what you're probably is, is like, Oh, well, that was so long ago. Yeah. There is certain ways to what I call attack a prenuptial agreement. Uh-huh. One would be the one I talked about earlier, where it's simply unconscionable. You wrote it, in, or whoever wrote it was just written in a way it was just really unfair to one person. A second way would be if you signed it like two weeks from a wedding, mm-hmm. that's really frowned upon, right? Think about all of the things that we've, we've got a family coming in, we've got the flowers picked out, we've got the cake coming, and all of a sudden here sign this prenuptial agreement a little bit of a duress, right? That's, yeah. that's really unfair. I and do suggest so many are so yeah. many are, I do strongly suggest is done at least two months prior to a wedding. 
one of the things with what I think you're talking about, Karen, with a sunset clause is so much has changed. That's one way they talk about, can we attack this? So much has changed from the time that we decided this prenuptial agreement that it's no longer fair, right? Because there's always a fairness presumption to it. Those are kind of rare, but they could happen and give you maybe a 40 year marriage. Say you had um, an idea that, you know, you were both going to have W-2 jobs and somebody was going to stay home. But what happens if you had a special need child who actually you have to stay home for 30 years with, right? What happens then? Or what happens? And, you know, those type of things. It's, is this, was, is something so, you know, unusual happen that this is no longer a fair prenuptial agreement? Um, we try to kind of foresee certain things, right? Um, but, you know, those do happen on rare occasion. Right. And then that's all the way back to Catherine's point earlier, where she asked questions that would, that may uh, require a post-nup agreement to make the amendments and so forth. Um, yeah. Another thing we see are people coming in in this age of technology. So many people think, well, I can just go get a form online. I can just go get divorced online and our eyes get this big. Um, And so they'll come in and we'll say, we want both of you to go get this prenup interpreted and come back to us so we can help you get the documentation because it's, it's sometimes very clear that that form was just downloaded from some random website. So can you talk about the importance of um, a professional helping to draft these prenups so that both parties are protected? Absolutely. Um, I can actually kind of give an example of the danger zone. I had a gentleman come to me. um, He has small business. Most of their asset was in the small business. He has put his life and soul into this, you know, 12 hour days. We all know those things. Mm -hmm. And they had a 25 year marriage. And he says, well, I have a prenuptial agreement. I said, great, let me look at it. And I said, this isn't worth the paper it's written on. And he's shocked. And well, what do you mean? Why not? I said, well, because a prenuptial agreement is very statute based. Okay. Um, you pull it off the internet. Now, 25 years ago, I think it was off the internet. I think you probably just like <laughs> tried to copy someone else's, right? But it's very statute based and it's based on the on the state that you're going to be getting married in, right? And they have certain requirements that they're not necessarily going to be in this thing that you just pulled off the internet. And if those requirements are not met, it's invalid immediately out the window. Secondly, oh, we attorneys, we speak that special little language. Everybody speaks a special language. And I, and I, get, I always use the, the, the example, uh, my mechanic speaks a special language that I don't understand, okay? I speak a special language for the courts and that's just the way we're trained. The courts are going to read our language and know what it says. It doesn't always make common sense. Y'all, we have to word it in a certain way that the courts have told us this is what this word or this phrase means. Right? Yeah, that's that's. I don't speak that language. I get very frustrated reading it. <laughs> uh, that's 
that's why I call you all word assassins. <laughs> but you have I, to be. I take it. I accept that. I understand. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, but same with divorce, you know, settlement agreements. Like, you know, people come to me afterwards and say, hey, can you fix this? I'm like, no, you messed it up so much I can't even fix it. <laughs> oh, it's so true. It's yeah. so true. <laughs> So what else would make um, a prenup or a postnup non-enforceable? Obviously, downloading an agreement that's not, what do you call it? Um, it's not according to statute, as you said, but what, what would be another reason? A couple other reasons. Um, one of the things, if you are addressing spousal support here in the state of Georgia, at least, and of course, that's all I can speak to, but you have to have two witnesses in addition to the notary. Right. So if you don't have those and you've addressed spousal support, again, that's out the window. Mm -hmm. um, not releasing your financials or defrauding on your financials, not completely, you know, um, saying what is the value of something. One of the reasons I actually with small business owners, I tell them, go get um, just a really quick and dirty, but go get someone to value the business and go with the highest value. Right. Because you don't want someone to come back and say, oh, they lowballed me. I didn't really understand that their business was worth three million dollars when, you know, we got married. And again, with, with small business owners are like, well, it's not worth that much. I can't take that much out. No, but that's what it's worth. I'm putting that in quotations when the court puts a value on it. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so definitely get it evaluated. Use someone like, you know, use you guys, my divorce solution to actually have your financials done. They're done in understanding, right? right? It's done. A professional has done this. I don't have to write what I think my pension is worth. Mm -hmm. I actually know what my pension is worth. And you guys know that's a big one. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. One. I love that you say that. <laughs> and I know Catherine has to talk to a lot of people about why giving up that pension could be detrimental because they never really think about it from the perspective that, um, you know, they're from their retirement, they're more afraid or pensive um, because someone doesn't want to share the pension. How does a prenup hold up in the event of a death? So it can, so you're really looking at the last will and testament, you know, as far as death, right? But I do say a prenuptial and a last will and a testament should kind of mirror each other if that's what you want. You know, a prenuptial agreement's whole purpose is in the dissolution of a marriage, right? But if you have a prenuptial agreement, and this often comes into play, uh, to your point, is when you have second or third marriages and you have grown children that you want to leave your wealth to, right? And so if you have a last will and testament that reads, here's what I want to leave to my children, and a prenuptial agreement that says, we've already said that was separate property, right? So that you don't have a spouse then trying to make a claim on a will, when you already have that prenuptial agreement, right? Oh, we've, what we've if they don't agree? Which, which is the reigning well, document? If the, like, let's just say the prenup says. Um, if they're not aligned. Yeah. Yeah. So the prenup says, you know, I keep my 401k, mm -hmm. but the will says all of my 
assets go to my wife? Those two actually do agree. Okay. Because I keep my 401k. So when I die, I can say where it goes. Oh, oh. wow. You're so yeah. smart. That's good. One. Yeah. <laughs> no, we just had that one come up a couple of times. It's all right. Hey, yeah. we give you the data and then you interpret it. It's a perfect right. <laughs> yeah. We could ask questions all day long, but I know <laughs> what a lot of couples would want to ask you is can we both use the same attorney? Yeah, I mean, technically you can, but you should not. Uh, the reason being is you're going to get legal advice coming in to see an attorney. Uh, you're going to get the legal advice of here's how we should should um, word it, right, to protect you. You should have uh, your spouse or your potential spouse should have an attorney representing them that says, okay, this is how we want them to word it to protect them, right? And it doesn't mean it has to get contentious, you guys. It doesn't mean we're going to blow this up and it's going to get super expensive. It's just that each one should have somebody who says, I have informed my client and we have an attorney affidavit. They're not required in the state of Georgia, but I think it's good practice to have an attorney affidavit that says, I have explained to my client what this prenuptial agreement means and they understand it. Okay, that's another way to make sure that your prenuptial agreement are being upheld. So your the both spouse, potential spouse, have these attorney affidavits independently saying we have explained this, they understand. Okay. Um, so it's just another way to protect yourself from this getting kicked out, uh, you know, for being you know fraudulent. For myself, I will tell you, I simply don't feel comfortable having two people in the office saying, you know, we want to do this together. I appreciate that. Y'all go talk about it outside my office and I will talk to one of you and I will get a recommendation from another very amicable attorney to represent the other party. Yeah. And you know what, Shauna, to your point of loving, it definitely sets the stage for really constructive financial discussions moving forward, getting, getting through that with two different advisors, having just delivering perspective is really what you're doing. Like this Mm -hmm. in doing this, this is what you're doing. It, I think that's a great way to set the stage for continuing to have really good discussions about um, the finances and each person's approach to them. And it balances out that relationship that I'm going to say most marriages do not have the balance of the financial, um, what management of the household. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and I think it's so important to have that financial honesty with each other from the get go. You know, are you a spender? Are you a saver? You know, that's another thing we talk about when we talk about um, prenuptial agreements. If you're marrying someone who is a spender and you're concerned about their credit card statements, well, you should be because that's going to be your debt if you don't do something about it from the get go. Yeah, you know, it's all about expectations having the conversations about what we expect, you know, from each other and what will happen if one of those expectations change. And remember everyone, divorce rates the second time around for second marriages or more is 62% or higher. So it's larger than the first time you get married. So if you want to prevent some of that, and a lot of it comes from financial issues, you know, have these discussions because, you know, you may want to decide even if it doesn't go right, if you should be marrying that person um, the second time around. 
That's great. Shauna, is there anything we should add as before we conclude this episode? I know we've just, you've been amazing at all this information and the details. It's incredible. But is there anything that you would like to add that people need to know when considering a prenup? You know, I, I just want to circle back that I really do think it is the kindest way you can enter into a honest discussion about finances, what your expectations, to Catherine's point right now, what your expectations are moving forward, balancing your finances and planning for the future. It's a great time to talk about what do we want our future to look about? Are we on the same page? Right. Mm-hmm. And too many people don't get into that discussion and then they get married and realize they have completely different financial goals. And you want to be, you want to be there together when, when you're saying I do. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Thank you, Shauna. And this Thank concludes you. our episode on getting clear on prenups. Thank you, Shauna, for a great conversation. Thank you guys.